on the virtual Bible study tonight. We're continuing a discussion we had last week. We got a we had so many questions and scenarios and and uh, you know circumstantial kind of questions about divorce and remarriage that we couldn't we literally couldn't get to them last week. Uh, but we decided we'd just go ahead and try to cover all that sort of thing tonight. So we've got a pile of of correspondence that has come in to us asking questions about what would you do in a case like this. We'll try to answer, again, basing our answers from the Bible. All right, marriage and divorce, tough questions. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday december 6 2018 welcome to the program my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here jacob great to be with you good to be with you kyle's behind the controls again kyle welcome it's good to, to be the program Glad to have hey, you. kyle made a just a moment ago before we went on the air kyle made an interesting observation about dealing with this subject and these questions about divorce or marriage. Kyle, what were you saying? Which it's a it's a difficult subject. It's a hard subject to to grasp and understand, but it is a, it's a needed subject. And I think just because it is a hard subject doesn't mean it doesn't need to be discussed. So we don't need to avoid it because it could be difficult. So that's something we need. I'm glad we're talking about this. I think you're exactly right. Two programs on this is a great well, thing. Well, Kyle, so. you know, it, 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 it may not even so hard to understand as it is to apply sometimes. That's true. And, and it's a hard saying, I guess you could say. So that's true. But yeah. it's not the only subject like that. There's lots it. of those. Yeah. Um, but so. I've, I have actually, I actually know of preachers who won't address this subject because their explanation is just far too controversial. Well, we can't avoid controversial topics. I mean, our Lord didn't do that. Uh, the inspired apostles didn't do that. Yeah, and we and we certainly wish we'd never have to talk about hard subjects. But there's, it's it's just a, a cop out to avoid them. And so I, I agree with you, Kyle. We got we we got to take it on and and uh, uh, try to. Uh, address these things. The number to call if you want to be part of the program tonight is 877-381-4567. That's toll-free. The line's open. We'd love to hear from you tonight on the program or send an email to questions at collegeview.com or sign in the chat room and chat with other listeners. I think we should probably tonight. tell people, though, in the chat room, we've got so many things that have already come in, we probably won't be able to get through these, let alone any additional. So you're pretty much on your own in the chat room tonight, so behave yourself. Uh, we'll try and, and catch some of those if we can, yeah. uh, but we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, and before we get started, I saw some Bible cal- reading calendars printed up yeah. and ready to yeah. go for we 2019. Should, we mm-hmm. should mention that, that we've got the initial printing of our 2019 Bible reading calendar available. A number of our listeners use those every year, and we mail out quite a few. And so if you are one of those who has used that reading schedule in the past and would like an, uh, uh, an updated version for 2019, or if you would just like to try it for a first time, we think it's a really good reading program. Uh, it goes through the Bible sort of in chronological order rather than just Genesis to Revelation. It tries to put the books that go together together. And uh, it's a, you read five days a week. 
Uh, it gives you a couple of days to catch up if you get behind, and we just really like it. We've been using it for a number of years, maybe going on 15 years here at College View. And so uh, if you'd like to get a, a printed copy of that, a little later on, we'll put that on our website. We always have it on the homepage of our collegeview.com website, and, and so you can look at it online if you need to, but we'd be glad to get you a hard copy as well. All right, so if you'd like one, send an email. And if you ask for one, we'll even probably throw you in a, a free bumper sticker. Oh, well, limited time only, though, right? Yeah, it's a special you, offer. Only you, for the next. Yeah. How, many, how many people are you going to say? I, I don't know. 50, I, I, Nick, 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 50 yeah. people. Okay. Right. So we've got a bumper sticker if you want one of those, too. All right. Yeah, okay. So we're going to dive into these. Jacob has a stack of stuff. I have a stack of stuff. They hopefully are are the same so we know what page we're on, Jacob. And we're just going to go through these sort of in the order that we've got them arranged. Uh, And, uh, again, probably the chat room is is a good place for your comments relative to what we have to say, although be advised that tonight, uh, rather in an unusual case, we probably won't be able to comment about your comments in the chat room. Uh, so, again, that's going to be sort of unmonitored, so please be careful uh, as you work your way into the in and around the chat room tonight. I wanted to start out with a couple of comments. Uh, some, of these, some of these comments, by the way, are things that we took off of the chat room window from last week that we weren't able to comment about. And there were a couple of comments in there. As we were discussing that the comment came in, this, so we're talking, we're going back and forth, talking about divorce and remarriage. We're trying to read the scriptures, make application of the scriptures. And someone wrote in and says, this sounds like a bunch of rabbis sitting around with the what if game, uh, which, which to me uh, uh, sort of missed the point. Uh, we, we, you know, are not just engaged in theological, philosophical discussions of a, of a subject we were, and I hope if you haven't heard the program from last week, if you go back to listen to it, you'll you'll recognize that we were trying to base our conclusions upon plainly what the New Testament scriptures say, uh, and so it, it wasn't just a. a, a, a it, this is not fun and games. This is real life stuff. It touches the lives of real people. People want to know, need to know, what do the scriptures say? Uh, am I in a scriptural marriage? Can I stay in my marriage? Do I need to leave my marriage? Uh, if a divorce happened, what would be the outcome of a situation where uh, I was divorced or I divorced my wife? This is real life, life-changing kind of stuff, and it's not just a, a discussion like a bunch of theologians would have sitting around in a circle talking to each other yeah uh this and so yeah i, I didn't really understand that uh that comment is what, what the criticism would be i mean it we're, we're trying to apply the instructions god has given us uh in real life scenarios and so yeah that that can that can comment I, although i think it was a derogatory I didn't really understand the, the reasoning behind it. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But again, we don't. We we think we're dealing with stuff that's very important. We're trying to understand the scriptures. We're trying to apply the scriptures carefully, and so you know, that's what we're about. Now, this, the the same person in the chat room said, in regards to all these things that we were saying about is this scriptural? Is that scriptural? Would this be an un, uh, would this be an unauthorized marriage and divorce and remarriage and so forth? Someone wrote in and said, we are forgetting God's grace in this discussion. Yeah. Um, which uh, th- that to me was the more confusing than the first statement. 
certainly we we understand the importance of God's grace for us all. We are all doomed without God's grace, but that doesn't that doesn't affect a discussion of sin and what constitutes sin. You know, so for instance, let's say we're talking about thieving, stealing. Uh, so you know, uh, we, we go to a, a verse like Ephesians four twenty eight. Let him that stole steal no more. Very plain statement. Well, someone could say, well, are we are we forgetting just, about God, grace? Yeah, what's wrong with you? Are you just being sort of? Are too, we are uh, we forgetting God's grace? You're just being too technical. You're being too picky. No, we would all agree that that verse plainly says that we ought to stop stealing. It doesn't. It, we're not talking about grace right now. We're talking about the sin of stealing, and so you know. We we define it, we explain it, uh, we identify it, and we understand the importance of repenting once we have if we are guilty of stealing or lying or anything. Well, adultery is a sin; it's defined in the scripture, and uh, we need to understand the definition of it. What con- what it, what constitutes adultery uh, in regards to divorce and remarriage? What constitutes uh, sin? that leads to a, uh, adultery in subsequent marriages, that that doesn't negate grace. R- really, the discussion doesn't even go to that. Uh, now, God has graciously made forgiveness possible for the adulterer, for the thief, for the liar. We understand God has graciously made forgiveness possible, but we're talking about what is the sin. We're, we're trying to identify the sin and then, of course, we can talk about grace, uh, and, and we have and we should, but grace would not just sort of make so a just blanket. just ignore, ignore yeah, what God said. We can just ignore all of this because of God's grace. We can't. If we, can, if we can ignore sins in regards to marriage, divorce, and remarriage because of God's grace, then we can ignore all sins because of God's grace, and nobody believes that. All right. yeah, I'm sure that the person who wrote this doesn't believe that. All right. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It doesn't say that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and so you don't have to worry about denying ungodliness and worldly lust. You don't have to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. No, that's what God's grace teaches us to do. And so maybe we are forgetting God's grace. Maybe some of our listeners are forgetting God's grace and just ignoring what he said to do. No, God's grace tells you what you need to do in order uh, to live a life that's pleasing to him. Right. In the chat room, I, I want to break the rule that you in the groundwork that oh. you, you stated, first off, because this is a common argument that you'll hear. Stephen Gerard says, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not the New Testament. That's in our pile. We're going to get to that. Okay, we'll get to it. We'll all get right. to it. Okay. okay. Uh, all right, so we have a follow-up question. Actually, I, uh, this this question requested and uh, uh, to be left anonymous last week, and I didn't see that till I'd already read it, but... Uh, so I won't name the person who sent this in this week, but uh, there, there was a clarification, a follow-up clarification. Okay. This person says, I was asking if a man committed adultery and was forgiven by his wife. That means, obviously, she did not go on and divorce him. And then some years later, she committed adultery but was not forgiven by her husband. He divorces her. Okay, got the, got the picture? Yes. He, he, was, he was unfaithful to his wife, but she forgave him. Later, she was unfaithful, but he chose not to forgive her in the sense he didn't. By the way, that's an interesting point. We've got to forgive. 
you know, so, so my wife is unfaithful to me and, and she seeks my forgiveness. I've got to forgive her. Yeah. I think divorcing her is a separate question from forgiving her. I could forgive her and still go on to divorce her, I believe. I believe those are two separate things. I don't think everybody agrees about that, but I think those are two separate things. I think forgiveness is required. If a person comes to you seeking to be forgiven, uh, a penitent person comes to you seeking to be forgiven, then you have to forgive them. There's, that, that's that's uh, not debatable. The, the question is then, if you did, uh, would you have, if you forgave them, could you would you have to remain married with them? I don't think that goes. I don't think those two things are linked necessarily. No. It'd be wonderful if it was possible, but it may not be possible. And I think that, I think uh, the Lord understanding the intense hurt of marital unfaithfulness probably is one of the, I don't, I don't know this, I'm speculating, probably that's one of the reasons why God gave the, the exception for divorce right. uh, that he did. So he's unfaithful. She forgives him, does not divorce him. Years later, she's unfaithful, but he goes on to divorce her. Now the question, can he remarry because he was, because he had already committed adultery, uh, even knowing he was forgiven? In other words, he was forgiven, but he didn't forgive her. Uh, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're, you're combining terms. He's got to forgive her. He's got to forgive her. She didn't yep, divorce yep, yep. him for it. She didn't put him away for it. He's going to put her away for yeah. it. Can he do that since he was a guilty <clears throat> adulterer back when, years yeah. before? Yeah. Uh, this person says, I believe he can divorce, but the remarriage to me is questionable because he committed adultery. Um, I, I probably got a little different take on that. I believe that that first episode is is past history now. It's done. It's finished. And I don't believe that can be brought back yeah. up. To affect the current, so she didn't. She didn't use her option to divorce him, and she forgave him, and the marriage went on. Then, then that episode is finished and done. Yes, and and now she's unfaithful, but he chooses to divorce her. As I said last week, it seems like it'd be a pretty harsh treatment. I mean, of a person who'd himself been forgiven, it seems like it'd be harsh on. But we don't know all the circumstances. Her unfaithfulness may may have been so gross and and uh, and horrible and hurtful that he just could not continue in a marriage. Uh, so we don't know all the circumstances. But I don't think his former adultery years before that was forgiven and the marriage went on. He was not put away for fornication. And that's the stipulation. That's the key right there. He was not put away for fornication. Therefore, he doesn't have anything hanging over him. That would prevent him from remarrying. Yeah. All right. That's my answer. All right. Thanks uh, for the question tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Next question. Okay. Uh, By the way, we're ready for it. We're up to break time. Let's grab a break and we'll come back. Boy, time's flying already. Uh, We'll look forward to hearing from you. The best way for you to comment tonight is on the phone at 877-381-4567. We're back right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. 
Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, and Bible class teachers and all church members had strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you can always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible. And we're still doing the same things you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Between the great things we cannot do and the small things we will not do, the danger is we shall do nothing. George Washington said, There is but one straight course, and that is to seek truth and pursue it steadily. Whoever gossips to you will also gossip about you. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight talking about tough questions uh, on divorce and remarriage. These are tough questions. Last week you posed the tough questions. Yeah. These are the tough questions posed by our listeners tonight. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So, this one, th- this was an email that contained multiple questions. We'll try to cover them all quickly. Uh, first... This person says there's no distinction made as to whether an unbeliever is actually accountable to God's law since they are not citizens of the kingdom. For instance, people in England are not subject to the laws of America, despite the many similarities. So once once then then he adds once a person is a citizen of the kingdom, then and only then is that person subject to the marriage covenant, uh, which Paul described in First Corinthians seven. I disagree with that conclusion I couldn't absolutely. disagree more yeah. uh, uh, if that's the case then why is it why is the marriage law unique why is why would one be guilty of any sin if he's not in the kingdom if you have to be in the well, kingdom well I've actually yeah it. I've actually heard some people say that the only sin the unbeliever is guilty of is the sin of unbelief which I don't agree to look at 1 Corinthians 7 or excuse me 1 Corinthians 6 in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Paul writing to the Corinthians. Now remember, Corinth was a was a notable pagan city of the first century time frame. I mean, there were a oh, lot yeah. of paganism, yeah. all kinds of sins going on yeah. there. And notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, beginning verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. So now think about this. Before they before they were baptized, he says, such were some of you, and, and significantly in the list, fornication, idolatry, homosexuality. Before they were baptized, he says, such were some of you, mm-hmm. but now ye are washed. So they had they had been guilty of those sins before they were Christians. I think that passage clearly shows that those the law of Christ applies to all, uh, and they are subject to, to God's uh, law of, on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, as revealed in the New Testament. All right, good, good comment, uh, good observation there. Uh, clearly, uh, the unbeliever is amenable to the law of, of Christ. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, the, uh, another question in the same email: the Old Covenant concerning marriage laws and all laws ended at the cross. The verses that everyone tries to bind in this dispensation are those clearly from Matthew 19, 1 through 12, which are being addressed to the Jews under the law of Moses. Jesus even says in verses 7 and 8, it was Moses who permitted this. 
All that Jesus was telling those Jews under the law was that this should not have been the case. If Jesus was alluding to the future kingdom, he would have said something to the effect of now in the kingdom of God, we shall go on and go on. New covenant doctrine does not originate from the inherent problems concerning the law. If we can allow one thing pertaining to the law to enter into the new covenant, then we open ourselves to all sorts of abuses. Well, I agree with that. Hebrews 9, 15 through 17 clearly tells us when the old ended, when the new began. We need to ignore those who overreach the, the new in exchange for the old. It's been said countless times that with so much divorce, we should be qualifying those wishing to be baptized into Christ, whether they have been divorced and or remarried prior to baptizing them and refusing them till they sort all of that out first. Now, so the question should read, he who believeth and has not been unscripturally divorced uh, and or been remarried and has been baptized shall be saved. Uh, that's a satire there, the last part, I'm sure. Actually, it is important for us to talk to people about their sins before they're baptized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the drunk... Uh, are we not going to deal with drunkenness before he's baptized? We're not going to explain to him that, that drunkenness is a sin and you need to repent of that sin uh, and and be baptized for the forgiveness of that and all sin. R- repentance precedes baptism. Yeah. And if we don't teach people what the sins are. They can't repent. They can't repent. And so that's, that, that doesn't even make sense. So I'm not going to even I'm not even going to address the question of unscriptural divorces or remarriage to to a person who wants to be baptized. Of course I am. I'm going to try to understand where they're coming from and what are the needs in their lives. What are the sins that they're seeking to be forgiven of? You know, murder is on, uh, it seems to be on the increase. You hear about it all the time. It has been said countless times that with so much murder, we should be qualifying those wishing to be baptized into Christ, whether they have been, they have been murderers or not, prior to baptizing them and refusing them till they sort all that out first. So now the question should read, he who believes and has not been a murderer and has been baptized shall be saved. We need to stop preaching about murder because it's on the increase. A lot of murder. So we shouldn't even ask you. We shouldn't even deal with that. So I'm teaching in the prison. Yeah. And in the prison are some murderers, and I have a chance to have Bible study with them. And here's a guy who wants to be baptized. Should I not ask him, have you repented of your sin of murder? It doesn't matter. That's not that's a, a terrible observation. Yeah. I, I completely disagree. But back to the first part of that longer paragraph. The idea is that Matthew 19 does not apply to the kingdom. Jesus was just straightening the Jews out on their misunderstandings of the law of Moses. Now, that's an argument that's often made. Uh, and, and I think you read in the chat room earlier. Someone saying Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are not the New Testament. Okay, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not in the New Testament, then can we not use Mark sixteen sixteen? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If if that doesn't does that not belong in the New Testament? Uh, uh, John three uh, verse five, uh, you must be born again. There you go. Except you're born again, you not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, of course, Matthew, Mark, Jesus was teaching the principles of the kingdom in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, you referenced last week uh, John, uh, or sorry, Luke sixteen sixteen. Yeah, right the law right. and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses unto it. Yeah, he was preaching the kingdom. It the says kingdom that. is preached. And by the way, two verses later, he talks about divorce and remarriage. But according to Stephen, we've got to throw that out. I, I, I disagree completely. Now, notice. Jesus actually did 
con- even Matthew 19, he contrasted his teaching with the Old Testament teaching. They brought up Moses. But notice Jesus did contrast. He said, I say to you, verse 9. He didn't say Moses said. He said, I say. I say to you, whosoever shall put away his wife except to be for fornication shall marry another committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which put away doth commit adultery. Jesus did contrast. Because actually, the law of Moses would require, I find that my wife has been sexually unfaithful to me. The law of Moses dictated that she should be stoned to death with the man that she was fornicating with. Yeah. Should be stoned and to Jesus death. didn't disagree with that at the time. Remember the lady brought to them him in adultery? He, he says, said, who's, that, who's without sin, cast the first stone. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't say, you can't, you can't be cast in stone. He said, well, if you, if you want to judge in this matter, if who's ever without sin, cast the first stone. He understood the law of Moses. Yeah. He's contrasting what the kingdom law would be with what it was under Moses. All right. All right. Finally, from this email, uh, as we contemplate this situation, the thing to remember is Galatians 6.15. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. When one is born again, the old man and all his sins die. God remembers his sins no more. Uh, and he quotes uh, that woman taking adultery. Woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I continue. Go and sin no more. Now, I've got I to gotta make the point here. He's he's arguing in circles. Yeah. How could uh, when you're born again, all your sins die? He just said you weren't applicable to God's law in this. Yeah, yeah. Subject. So he's, he's arguing both sides of the coin there. So he so yeah okay. Uh, but that, that's absolutely wrong. You know, baptism washes away my sins when I repent. If I don't repent, repent and be baptized. Acts two verse thirty eight. Repent and be baptized. Repentance precedes baptism, and 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 so if uh, the example that we use, it's, it it seems ridiculous, but according to the logic of this statement, they, you'd have to say, "I stole your car last week." Yeah, I'm going to keep it, uh, and and now I want to be baptized, and I'm going to keep your car. Yeah, I've been forgiven. I've but, been forgiven. But washes it's a, away. Hey, it's a nice car. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's that's just not right. It's not right. And logic and scripture proves that that's not right. Okay. All right. We got to move on. All right. Uh, we're going to run out of time in a hurry. Okay. Uh, here's a question. My spouse has forgiven me for cheating on her, but later realizes that she just cannot continue the marriage due to such betrayal. At this point, does she still have the right to put me away? Uh, and... The correspondent says, my answer would be no, simply because one cannot forgive and then take back that forgiveness. Yeah, that's a, that, uh, to me, that's a hard one for sure. I, as I said earlier, I, I do think that uh, marital unfaithfulness is a hard kind of a hurt to put on a person. You know, if your spouse has been unfaithful to you, that's a hard hurt. We understand that. And, and I personally speculate. I'm, I'm again identifying this as speculation. That that's why the, the the exception for fornication is in the Lord's marriage law. Uh, but I uh, I would think that there has to be a a a time certain. And I don't I don't I can't put I can't name that time certain. But there has to be a a point of determination when the person says. I am not going to – my my privilege of exercising that option has passed. Uh, now, I don't know how long that is, I, I, and, and I would not presume to say. But I think it's at, at, at a point, 
uh, you have to decide, am I going to divorce my unfaithful spouse or continue in the marriage? Uh, I, I don't think that this can be left hanging over someone's head forever and evermore. What do you think? Well, and then you'd have to ask, are you really putting that person away for the fornication? For instance, it's been 10 years. So so here's the, here's the case. So this this woman, her husband has cheated on her, and she really wants to make the marriage work. And so she, she decides not – she's not going to proceed with divorce uh, proceedings. But two weeks into this, she just realizes that her feelings will never – she'll never be able to be the wife to him that she ought to be because of, of his betrayal. And so she decides – she tried for two hard weeks to make it work, and she realized she's not going to be able to do that. I don't. I think I could buy that, but what if it was twenty years later? Instead of two weeks, what if it was twenty years? Twenty years later, she says, "You know, I, I, I they're fighting. They're fighting over money. You know, the budgets. Times yeah. are tough, and uh, we've got this. And, and and the kids were. We can't agree about it. So, hey, he cheated on me twenty years ago. Yeah, I got an out. So somewhere between two weeks and twenty years, there has to be a determination made. Yeah. I, I think it'd be case specific, but yeah. I. Uh, I, I do think it, it, reasonably there would have to be some final determination. All right. <clears throat> uh, this person goes on to say the rule really should be no divorce. We do not have to choose divorce if our spouse cheats on us, though it may be allowed. If a spouse asks for forgiveness for their infidelity and you still pursue divorce because it's your right, it clearly shows that you're not merciful. If you're not willing to extend forgiveness and try to work out the problems, should God extend forgiveness to you? We're so quick to divorce even when one asks for forgiveness. I ponder if such people, despite having a right to put away, are deserving of God's infinite mercy when they could not bother to forgive someone else who asked for it. This goes to something we were saying earlier, Jay, but there's a difference between, in my judgment, well, I don't think it's my judgment. I think there's a biblical difference between forgiving and divorcing. Yeah. And and if a person seeks, uh, a, a penitent person seeks forgiveness of any sin, we've got to forgive them. I think the question of divorce is a separate question from that. If I give you access to my bank account and I find out that you've been dipping in there and taking money out for your own personal use. What is that uses, account number, by the way? Yeah. Uh, I can forgive you of that, but I can also remove your access to my bank account. doesn't mean I didn't forgive you, yeah. but uh, we're going to change that Sometimes, relationship. And this is a point that we don't like to accept a lot of times, but there are consequences to sin. There are lingering consequences. Forgiven people face consequences of their sins. The murderer we were talking about earlier on death row, he repents and he's baptized and he's a saved person and he's still going to go to the death chamber. Sin bears lingering consequences and and divorce may just, in fact, be the lingering consequence. Although forgiven by God and his spouse, he still must live with the consequence of his sin. And, 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 And it's based on the fact that he... He hurt his wife so deeply, betrayed her so ultimately that that maybe that's just the way it is. She can't she can't continue. Time for a break in this week's bullet point. When we get back, the question posed by our listener: Can one remarry if they found out after the divorce that their spouse had been having an affair for ten years? So they got a divorce after the fact. They found out, you know what? That rascal been cheating on me for ten years, and I never knew about it. Now do I have a right to get married? We're going to take that question. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. 
Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Every congregation of God's people is made up of two basic but quite different types of people. There are some that can be properly described as the givers. These are the good-hearted souls who are always doing helpful deeds of service for others. If there is someone sick who needs to be visited, if folks are grieving over the death of a loved one, if a spiritually weak person needs encouragement, if a lost soul needs to be taught the gospel, you can count on these givers to step up and meet the responsibility. You will not hear these members complaining that, quote, someone needs to do something, unquote. Instead, you will find them busily doing whatever needs to be done. They teach Bible classes. They transport folks to the services. They run errands for the shut-ins. They take food to the sick and grieving. They send cards of encouragement. They do chores for those who can't do for themselves. In a word, they give. They give of their time, their money, their energy. They give of themselves in humble service to others. Sadly, the other group of people in any particular church would have to be labeled the takers. These are the ones who seem to expect others to do everything, especially as it relates to them and their specific situations. If they are sick, they expect to be visited. If they are down, they expect to be encouraged. If they are grieving, they expect to be comforted. Never mind that they have not done these things for others. In reality, their outlook is me, me, me. And if the help and service they desire is not forthcoming, you can expect these people to quickly become offended and hurt. We've even known of some folks who, quote, quit the church, unquote, because their perceived needs were not addressed to their satisfaction. What the takers don't understand is that the givers are the ones who are really receiving the better part. By their giving, they are in return blessed with the comfort, peace, and satisfaction that comes from humbly serving others. Jesus said it is the true way to greatness in his kingdom. By open-hearted giving, these folks are directly imitating the Savior. Thank God for the givers. May their tribe increase. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Michael, and I'm four years old, and, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Our email address, questions at collegeu.com. Use it to get a free bumper sticker or a Bible reading calendar mailed to you at no cost. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We're looking at emails that listeners have sent us and to questions. And chat room comments. And chat room comments from listeners at college, questions at collegeview.com. Next up is from Sharkey. Can one remarry if they found out after the divorce that their spouse had been having an affair for 10 years? Just before we go to that, Jacob, I just want to comment again that we're not able to keep up with the chat room tonight. We're probably not going to get through our stack of stuff as we've got it already. So, again, our chat room is pretty much unmonitored tonight, so understand that. You're welcome to, to comment in there. Keep it. Keep it nice. Uh, you can comment in the chat room, but we're probably not going to be able to keep up with those comments at all. And also in the in the YouTube chat room window, uh, got a couple comments. Uh, Anthony in there says Jesus never said in Matthew 19 that if you forgive them, that you cannot divorce them. Okay, I think that's true. I mean, and we just talked about that. Okay, so, yeah, you know, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Why would Jesus say that you could put them away if that was a equated with not forgiving them jesus said if 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 forgiving and not putting away are the synonymous jesus would not allow anyone because we all ought to forgive yeah if right well uh, what if the person not penitent well that's true okay person not penitent okay okay so to this next question we got to keep moving kind of have to move kind of quickly here 
Can one remarry if they found out after the divorce that their spouse had been having an affair for 10 years? Then a follow-up email gave more definition about this. Uh, the wife filed for divorce without talking to the husband about it. The husband suspected infidelity on the part of the wife, but the wife lied, denied any infidelity when the, the husband quizzed her about it. The, the husband allowed the divorce to proceed without being, without big fanfare, couldn't stop it anyway in Texas. After divorce was final, the husband found out the truth when the wife married the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. The husband's adult children found out the truth and relayed the truth to their dad. The dad husband was devastated, so were the children. Can the husband remarry scripturally? Seems a little sad that the husband would not be able to remarry if his wife betrayed him and lied about it. Thanks for your thoughts and so on. Um, just uh, just an observation about that last point. It seems sad that that the husband would not be able to remarry because his wife betrayed him and lied about it. Uh, re- always remember this. Uh, when it comes to this and lots of other subjects, but in regards to this divorce and remarriage question, it's not always fair. By our sense of justice, it's not always fair. Innocent people suffer consequence from the sins that others commit. You know, the classic example is, you know, the guy who's hit by a drunk driver and left a uh, paraplegic for the rest of his life. That is not fair. The guy didn't do anything wrong. The other guy was sinning as a drunk and drove his car and hit this guy. That's just not right. That's not fair. But it's reality. And what it illustrates is sometimes innocent people suffer consequences because of other people's sins. And that applies in some of these divorce and remarriage scenarios. All right. Uh, So she'd been cheating. She said she wasn't. She divorced him. He couldn't do anything about it. He found out she had been cheating. What can we do? Can he get remarried? I don't believe he can, not after the fact. I mean, uh, he, in order to remarry, he must put her away for fornication. He didn't know that she was committing fornication. Therefore, he could not do what that what that progression of events requires. He could not put her away for fornication. He didn't know she was committing fornication. Yep. And so at, at the time the divorce occurred, it was not for fornication. Therefore... Facts learned later don't change the outcome. All right. I believe that's the answer. All right. Because there is, just like we say, you know, there's a progression required leading to salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. you got to follow that progression. Right. Well, here, you know, order of events is important in, in the plan of salvation, for instance. Here, order of events is important. Okie dokie. All right. Thanks for the question, Sharky. Appreciate that. Okay, got another question. Uh, This one comes from Mike. And he says, this was asked of him recently. A husband and wife divorced for non-scriptural reason. Couldn't get along. The husband remarries and so does the wife. Later, his first wife passes away. Does this now mean that he has a scriptural marriage even though he uh, he remarried without scriptural authority? My answer, he says, is no due to the... The reasoning wasn't scriptural for the divorce in the first place, so the passing of the first wife doesn't change the fact. Uh, he said, I might not have used the best example, but if I steal your car and you die before I can make things right and give it back to you, does that mean it's now okay for me to still keep the car? Which is an interesting application of the illustration we were using just earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would agree, you know, you can't keep the car, it's a stolen car. Uh, so, all agree, I think, that the husband... 
husband and wife, they divorced for not a scriptural reason. Both remarried, but the wife dies later. So we're not talking about the wife. We're talking about the husband. He remarried. He didn't have a right to remarry. He remarried and sinned when he did so. But now his first wife dies. Can he therefore stay in the second marriage, even though he entered into it without scriptural authority? Well, first of all, I think here's something we can all agree about is that he sinned and he has to repent of his sin. Mm -hmm. And he'd have to be able to tell that wife that he's now married to. He'd have to be able to look her in the face and say she'd have to know and he'd have to be true in his heart to say, I'm sorry I married you and given a chance to do it again, I'd never do it again. That'd be a hard that'd be a hard pill to swallow for a guy in that circumstance. Now, I'm I'm like Mike uh, in in the sense that uh, I'm, I'm not comfortable with him being married again at this point. But the argument to be made comes from passages like Romans 7. Where it says, the wife which hath the husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. Uh, the marriage bond continues while marriage partners live. But after the husband is dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. So uh, I, I could I could construct a technical argument, I think, that says, well, he's not bound anymore because the reason why he was in an unscriptural marriage, that second marriage was unscriptural because he was married to the second wife, but he was bound concerning the first wife. After she's dead, he's not bound concerning the first wife anymore. And therefore, an argument could be made since he's not bound anymore, he could be married uh, to another person and bound to them. I think that's a possibility. The question that, and, and I'd be very uncomfortable to tell such a person that they could remarry. But uh, so the question is, once a person has been unscripturally divorced, can they ever remarry? Can a put away person ever remarry? Yeah, is, is Romans seven talking about some? Is yeah. it talking? Is it talking about a divorce prior to the yeah. death, or just that the husband died and now she could remarry? Yeah, that's the question. To yeah. So I would be very uncomfortable telling such a person they could remarry, but I just wanted to cover the other side of the argument because it's often made, and, and okay. that'd be a question that you have to deal with. All right. Thank you for that question, Mike. All right, so Stephen, uh, in our chat room last week, posed uh, made some comments that we wanted to, cu- to Go ahead. discuss. Stephen says, I think you all just got off the rails on marry-remarry based on who is put away. Once divorced, no matter the reason, both parties are no longer married. Well, it's true that divorce leads to being unmarried. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 7 talks about that. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 10, uh, you're not to let not the wife put away her husband. See, unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but in it, but and if she does depart, let her remain unmarried. So here was a, a divorce that was not authorized because he said, don't do it. And she did it. What was the outcome? Well, they're unmarried, right? Uh, but that doesn't remove all the, all the effect of marriage and remove all the consequence of marriage she's still bound and he says let her remain unmarried to be reconciled to her husband so uh, she they're not married divorce divorce unscriptural divorce all divorce results in the outcome being you're not married anymore that's not the question 
Mm-hmm. The question is, are you loosed? Are you free? Are you, or, or are you still bound? And and in the case of a person who doesn't, uh, who has an unscriptural divorce, they are still bound. They're not at liberty to remarry. Uh, guest, uh, Stephen goes on, my wife put me away without scriptural grounds, no infidelity or any other offense. Are you saying that in the eyes of the Lord we're still married, even though the state of Georgia says we are not? No, you're not married. You are not married. That's not, the, again, that's not the question. Uh, but you're still bound because because it was an unscriptural divorce. He's, you're still bound. And, goes, and you're a put-away person, and, and you're still bound. Married but not bound, he says. She was still married, but I was still married to her. I'm confused. I'm not trying to be difficult, but if she was still married, then wasn't I really no, just committing no, adultery? No, she's not married. Does? She's not married. Well, a divorce results in an unmarried state. The First question, Corinthians seven eleven. Yeah. The question is, are you bound or are you loosed? And a person who's been put away, uh, even unscripturally, an innocent person who's put away is still bound and not at liberty to remarry. Okay. we we got to get a break. And when we get back, we're going to go fast to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. The verse Bible study continues right for this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Warning, this is to make you aware of a disorder plaguing American and the metro area, BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Many people are not getting enough Bible in their daily lives. Are you? Answer the following questions to see if you might be suffering from BDD. Do you answer spiritual questions by saying, I think, instead of, the Bible says? Do you depend on religious authors and pastors to tell you what to believe? When Benny Hinn says, this is your day for a miracle, do you believe him? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you might be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to fighting BDD by teaching the Bible. We focus on Christ by following his word. Don't succumb to BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Fight it by joining us for Bible study on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. As long as there is breath in your body, it is not too late to fight Bible deficit disorder. We'll see you this Sunday at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey asked students about the topic of unsung heroes. A parent ranked number one out of several key roles that teens voted as the type of person who best fits the description of an unsung hero, followed by soldiers and teachers. 53% of teens said that, quote, putting the needs of someone else above your own is the number one trait of an unsung hero. That information is via stageoflife.com. The Word of God says in Philippians 2, beginning verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we are back on the program, going top of the fa- fast to the top of the hour, because we've got six more comments from our listeners from last week, and they're, they're good questions and good comments, so we yeah. need to go fast. We'll do the best we can. All right. Uh, in the chat room last week, according to 1 Corinthians seven ten, the apostle states that a man and wife should not divorce at all. We just read that. But if they do divorce, they should be reconciled to one another, united again in their original marriage, or remain unmarried for life. It seems the only way to harmonize Paul's teaching, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus' teaching, Matthew nineteen nine, is for the divorced couple, both parties, to never marry again. Since 
1 Corinthians 7.39 is the only passage in the entire Bible that specifically addresses remarriage, and, and that should, it should only happen after the original spouse has died. Does this not prove that remarriage should only take place after a spouse has died? Uh, I actually don't agree with that observation. In Matthew 19.9, Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. Now, now, just reconstruct. They just put put the phrases in a different order. They'll still say the same thing. So, whosoever shall put away his wife, but in this case, it is for fornication. So, leave off the exception. Or, excuse me, uh, no, no, let's use the exception. Whosoever shall put away his wife for fornication and marry another does not commit. That talks about remarriage. He marries another. But the exception when it when the exception is in place, she has committed fornication. Whosoever shall put away his wife for fornication and marry another does not commit adultery. And so, actually, Matthew nineteen nine does talk about remarriage. Okay. And, and the and so and the clear implication is that remarriage in a case where you put away your spouse for fornication is authorized. Lister goes on and says, "Doesn't God cause the binding of the marriage? And if so, how can it ever be unbound unless Matthew nineteen nine or death applies?" I agree. I agree. Lister says, seems to me we are letting a piece of paper determine whether we are married or bound or married. No, again, don't confuse bound and married. A piece of paper does determine whether you're married or not, at least in our culture. It wouldn't be true in every culture. But in every culture, there's an established methodology by which people are recognized as married, and there's an established methodology by which people are recognized as divorced. There's a difference between being married and bound you, you you can be unmarried but you might still be bound all right they are not the same thing the buckeyes 247 in the chat room last week said so basically a victim of circumstance so god is aware of who is wrong and who has sinned against and probably feels for me but cannot right the wrong again innocent people suffer consequences of other people's sins all right so if i marry someone who was put away where their former spouse cheated on them and i just realized my marriage is not lawful and I allow, am I allowed to leave the unlawful marriage and remarry? If you're in an unlawful marriage, then you have never been bound to that to that person. You've been married to them, but not scripturally. Therefore, you were never God never joined you together. Matthew 19 verse 6, Jesus said, "What God has joined you. you've never been joined to that wife because she was not an eligible marriage partner, and so you must in that marriage." And since you are not bound, you can be married to someone else. I believe that's right. Perry sends an email and says, I enjoyed listening to the first program on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Could you deal with this question also? Can a person divorce their mate for a reason other than adultery, then repent of the act of divorcement and continue to stay in their unmarried condition, or must they reconcile with their mate? Well, it's a sin. In other words, that person sinned when they divorced for a cause other than fornication. They said, we talked about this a little bit last week, but uh, marriage is a covenant. You make vows. There's There are responsibilities. When you divorce without scriptural authority, you're forsaking your, your responsibilities. You're breaking your covenant. You're violating your vows. All of that's sinful. And so it's certainly a sin. Uh, uh, and and sometimes people want to use First Corinthians seven, where it says, uh, "Let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband." Say it's okay to stay unmarried. Actually, I just think that First Corinthians seven verse eleven there is 
is saying don't compound your sin by marrying someone else. I don't think it's saying it's okay to divorce without cause as long as you don't uh, don't marry again. Uh, I, I but but uh, Perry, you know, sometimes circumstances change. So I divorced my wife. She was not a guilty fornicator. I divorced her. Uh, now I realize I sinned when I divorced her. Can I stay in the unmarried condition or must I be reconciled? Well, it might reconciliation might not be possible now. Yeah. Maybe she went on and married somebody else, which she shouldn't have done, but maybe she did, and I, and I can't reconcile. Maybe she's dead, and I can't reconcile. So I, I would not say that you could require reconciliation in order to be forgiven in every case, okay. although that is, that is, I mean, the divorce itself is a sin, and to repent of it would be to make restitution in so much as you're possible uh, is possible to do so. Randy from Colorado asks, if a person is divorced and remarried unbiblically, should he or she divorce that spouse and remarry the first spouse to fix the problem? Closely related to Perry's question. Yeah. Again, a lot of these things you're going to have to deal with the circumstances as they evolve because it's not always possible. But first of all, if the person divorced and remarried unscripturally, should he or she divorce that spouse? Yes, he's got to get out of that. It's an adulterous relationship. Yeah, it's an adulterous relationship. So he's got to get out of that unscriptural marriage. Now, can he remarry the first one? Maybe, but not not necessarily obviously possible in every case. Okay. And by the way, we should mention that some people, so I put away my spouse. She's a put away person. Can I marry a put away person? Is a question that some people ask. I actually think that in that case, in 1 Corinthians 7 said I should be reconciled because I have put her away and I shouldn't have. And I think 1 Corinthians 7, 10, 11 says I should, should reconcile, reconcile. If, I, if possible. All right. Dallas asks, I'd be interested in hearing what a person must do to repent of divorcing a mate where fornication is not involved. Or what does repentance require a person to do after divorcing their mate? I think 1 Corinthians 7 would speak to that, as we mentioned. Yeah. If if they depart, then they either they should repentance would mean that I'm sorry I did that, and I'm either going to remain unmarried or be reconciled. Yeah. But, but repentance is sorrow for sin, turning from sin. I'm sorry I did it. Given a chance, I'd never do it again. If I can make it right, I'm going to make it right. So if I divorced uh, where fornication is not the, involved, what would that require? Well, it would require godly sorrow leading to repentance and restitution in so much as restitution is possible, but in every not every case is restitution possible. All right. So I, uh, again, uh, a lot of these will re- will require more information about specific circumstances. But 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 here's the thing, Jake. We mentioned this last week, and I I really believe this wholeheartedly. If we will honestly apply the biblical principles, they fit every possible scenario. Which I, I think is amazingly speaks to God's wisdom of insp- in the inspiration process because yep. it'd be if we had written it, it'd be easy to come up with scenarios that wouldn't fit. But His law fits all scenarios. All right. And Chris says, "I have a question to add. I know my answer, but I'd love to hear y'all's. Can you think of a scenario where an annulment would be scriptural, and could those involved remarry?" Uh 
uh, I guess, if I understand the concept of annulment, that means that you just say the marriage uh, was never valid. The, 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 well, or, or the, the, to annul something means to just disavow it. it it's like it didn't happen. You, yeah. you know, if you annulled a contract, it's so I contract to buy your property <clears throat> for so, so much money. But then the contract is annulled. We don't go through with it. It doesn't. It, it's not, and so it's not binding. It's been annulled. Uh, in the case of marriage, I can't imagine annulment being scriptural. We made promises. We made vows. We committed ourselves to one another. What God has joined together, let not man put us under. Matthew nineteen verse six, I think, would apply. Uh, and and therefore, I don't think that if I understand. The concept of marriage annulment, I do not think it's scriptural, and I don't think that it would leave people free to marry. I think they'd still be bound. They wouldn't, again, an annulment would result in people not being married anymore. By the legal process of annulment, I assume that that means you're not married to one another anymore. But that doesn't mean that you're loosed. You're still bound because of that original commitment all right and then one more question I, I thought i printed this off and i didn't someone had asked or made a comment about first corinthians seven fifteen. uh uh in first corinthians 7 verse 13 the woman which hath a husband that believeth not and if he be pleased to dwell with her let her not leave him for the hus- believing husband the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. Not under bondage in 1 Corinthians 7.15 is not a, a an additional exception for, marriage, for a divorce and remarriage. This is not talking about the marriage bond. That's a different word. Study the Greek. You'll find it's a different word. What 1 Corinthians 7.15 is saying, so I've got a a wife who's not a Christian. I'm trying to live as a Christian, but my wife is not a Christian, and she just leaves. She deserts me. Can I divorce for that reason and remarry based on 1 Corinthians 7.15? I'm not under bondage. No. It's a different word. It's not talking about the marriage bond. I'm still bound. She deserted me, but I'm still bound. I don't have a scriptural divorce. I can't remarry. This is just saying that I'm not enslaved to serve my wife as a husband when she's not even present for me to be able to perform my duties as a husband. In other words, God's not going to hold me accountable. I'm not, I, I, I'm not under the bondage of fulfilling requirements to my wife that I can't fulfill because she's not even present for me to fulfill. That's what this is talking about. This is not talking about divorce or marriage at all. All right. We're out of time, but... We need to close with this comment from the chat room. Sharky's in the chat room tonight. Sharky is the one who posed the question, and it wasn't just a hypothetical question, about uh, a wife who had been cheating for 10 years prior to the divorce, and they were divorced uh, for no no stated reason. Just They just got the divorce, and then later found out that there had been infidelity. Sharkey says, thank you for addressing my question. I agree with your answer. I had made the decision to not remarry for myself, and do not put a prospective wife in the position of committing adultery as well. You are also correct that unfaithfulness and betrayal is very painful. It has been four years since my divorce after 44 years of marriage. I prefer to remain faithful to God's word and not risk further sin because of my emotions. High commendation to you, Sharkey, because I think that's the right approach. I think you're taking the right approach. That's tough, tough, tough situation. That's the case, one of those... Innocent persons suffering from the sins that others commit. 
uh, you are in that sad circumstance, but you're, I believe you're doing the right thing. Sharky's walking by faith, yeah. not by sight here. Yeah. What makes sense to, to, to us in this situation would be, yeah, go ahead and get remarried, but our faith in God's what, word what and happened, what he's revealed. What happened to him is not fair. It's yeah. not just, but it is it is reality, and you have and, and and he's an innocent person suffering the consequences of another person's sin. Thank you, Sharky, for that and for your yeah. comments. Yeah, appreciate uh, appreciate your stand and your commitment to do what God wants you to do. Difficult situations, difficult questions. The answers are difficult many times yeah. um, because they uh, require us uh, maybe it's, it's to real do some life stuff. That, yeah. it's real life yeah. stuff, life changing stuff. Kyle, final comment from you tonight. No, this is a extremely good subject. Like I've said before, it's a, a church who's talking about these difficult subjects. That's something where it's, it's, it's needed. It's must have. We can't avoid these topics. We must talk about them. So that's good. All right. Thank you, Kyle, for being here and helping us out. Dad, thank you for a good discussion. Thanks, Jay. Uh, well, what if our listeners have further questions or comments? Well, uh, we've. I hope we covered a lot of a lot of territory here in the last two weeks. We're not going to go back to this. I promise we're not going to go back to this subject next week. But obviously, I think we'll probably touch about on it in, in future episodes. So we could take program. some questions and put them in our list for yeah. another another program somewhere yeah. down yeah. the road. Yeah. And as with any program or any discussion, if you have questions about anything you've heard at any time on the virtual Bible study, we'd welcome your questions or comments at questions at collegeview.com. Maybe you just want to suggest a topic for a future edition. Maybe somebody said that's enough of this topic. How about you talk about something else next week? Well, tell us what you want us to talk about so we can consider that. Yeah. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com. Thanks for your time tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for being here. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we, in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.